Beautiful song. Praise the Lord for that. There's always restoration. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles, turn with me please over to the book of John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. From time to time, the Lord will lead me to preach a message that I have preached before. I preached this message, or different outline, but it's the same message, uh, January of 2018, just for kicks. How many of you were not here January of 2018? Raise your hand. Hold your hand up high. Okay. All right. Amen. That's why God wants me to preach it. Amen. Uh, those of you that were here will probably remember the title and the, and the message. But I preached this Friday night in Tennessee and I'm coming up the road yesterday, coming home. felt like the Lord wanted me to preach it again this morning. And so I'm going to mind the Lord. I've preached this message all over the country uh, but I really feel like God wanted me to preach it this morning. And so I'm, I'm confident that uh, I'm in the will of God doing this. And uh, we preach, we sing songs over and over, don't we? Uh, we? I'm glad we sung Amazing Grace more than once, aren't you? Hey, Amen. I feel like this message is, uh, is exactly what God would have us to do. Uh, no question in my mind. Stand with me, please, if you're in John uh, chapter number 6. In verse number 66, <clears throat> the Bible says, And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You don't have to turn, but in Luke chapter number 9, Jesus made another statement. He said in verse number 62, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Lord, help us this morning. As we do our best to mind you, I pray that you take this message and speak to hearts. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. In John chapter number six, Jesus dealt with a problem of people going back. In Luke chapter number nine, Jesus dealt with the problem of people looking back. You mark this down. Everybody that looks back long enough will eventually try to go back. I love what Peter said in verse number 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? What a, what a question. But I've often wondered in verse number 66 that after having encountered Jesus, after having met the Son of God and the, hearing his preaching and hearing his, his anointed parables and teaching and watching him perform miracles and then making a decision to walk away from him and go back. I guess the thing that's always plagued my mind in verse number 66 is where did they go? Well, the Bible tells us where they went. They went back. They went back to where they came from. They went back to where they were before they met Jesus. That's got to be what it means. It, 
it means more than they just went back to their home or they went back to their hometown or they went back to their jobs or their career. The Bible says they went back. Well, I guess that thought is what sparked this message because we got a lot of people today that are looking back. They're looking back. Jesus said, any man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And there's a story there. There's a, there's a, a significance there that many of us would probably not understand because we don't plow. But when you're driving down the road and you look at the fields and you see many times where the tractors and the plows have plowed and the, the crops are coming up, what a beautiful sight it is to see those, see those rows of corn or whatever it is. And how beautiful they are and how, how straight they are. You can get uh, shots over, overhead with drones and looking down from an airplane when you're flying over and you see the fields, how beautiful it is for those, those plowed fields and how those lines. But back in the day, they didn't have the tractors and they didn't have the GPSs in the tractors. and They didn't have the plows and the technology that we've got today. They used an ox or a mule or they used a, uh, some sort of an animal and a plow and they would have to plow those furrows one at a time. And it was, a, it was a, a, a terrible testimony of the ability and the capability of that farmer. If you walk by his field and his, and his rows look like that, but many times you could, you could discern that that man's fields were crooked and his plowing was crooked because he wasn't looking where he was going, he was looking at where he had been. Jesus said the same thing applies to a child of God. They put their hand to the plow and instead of being concerned about what's in front of them, they were looking back over their shoulder and in doing so, that plow is going all over the place and it leaves a permanent testimony of the misplaced priorities of the man running the plow. We got a lot of people today that are looking back. We got a lot of people today that are going back. They're not just looking back, they're going back. I mean, I deal with it on a weekly basis, preachers that are compromising, compromising and they're, and they're walking away from everything they've ever been taught. Pastoring churches and the church, they take the whole church astray. Christians getting out of church, getting out of the will of God. Missionaries coming off the field. Young people jumping over the fence and going to the far country like that prodigal son did. We could just go on and on. And I think about the children of Israel wishing they were back in Egypt when they were in the wilderness and they talked about the fish and they were remembering the leeks and the garlics. And, and boy, their memories of Egypt was far more positive than the reality of it. We got a lot of people today going back. I'm going to tell you the secret and the answer to not going back. And that's what I want to preach on this morning. You need to burn your bridges. You need to burn your bridges. That is a statement that was made popular years ago when the, many times a general and his armies would be invading and going into enemy territory. There was always that possibility that in the heat of the battle, when the blood began to be shed and when the enemy began to be encountered, that some of those soldiers would get fearful. Some of those soldiers would become afraid and they would be tempted to cut and run. And that general, they'd cross that bridge, that river or that ravine or whatever it was, and they would be in that enemy territory. He would order his men to burn the bridges so that the people could not retreat. There was no choice but to go forward. I looked it up in the dictionary, the statement or the phrase, the idiom, as you would call it, burn your bridges. It literally means to do something that makes it impossible to return to an earlier state. There's actually another statement called burning your boats. 
And there were many, there were many admirals and navy uh, generals that they would go and they would take uh, uh, invade a country. And when they got there, they would order, burn the ships, burn the boats. We're not going back home. We're staying. There ain't no sense in even looking over your shoulder. There's nothing to look at. There's nothing there. You know what we need? We need a group of Christians today. We need a group of Christians. We need a group of God's people today that understand what it means to burn their bridges. And when they decide they're going to live for God and serve God, there's no looking back over their shoulder. There's no looking back and there's no turning back. There's a group of people in the Bible, several places I want you to notice with me this morning that literally, literally burnt their bridges. In 2 Kings chapter 23, I want you to turn over there with me. 2 Kings chapter Number 23, Brother Byron, if you would check the air, it's a little warm in here. How I many of you is warm? Raise your hand. Second Kings chapter number 23 and verse number 3. Uh, well, let's just look at chapter, Second Kings 23. I love this story. This is the story here of where they found the book in Josiah's uh, reign in chapter number 22. They were cleaning out the temple. And uh, boy, what a story when they found the book of the law in verse number 8 of chapter 22. And then the Bible says they stood before the king and they read it. You get to chapter 23 of Second Kings the Bible says in verse number one, the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. Amen. We've been doing a series on Sundays on uh, uh, the Lord gave the word. And that's a, this is a, a, an example here of they found the book. They found the book of the covenant. And, they, and the verse number three, watch this. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes, all those are references to the word of God, his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their hearts and with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. Number one, write this down. Burn your bridges when it comes to your response to the scriptures. As this king stood before these people, the Bible says he began to read this covenant in verse number three. And they made a covenant. They made a covenant together to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and to keep his testimonies and to keep his statutes and to do it with all their heart and with all their soul and to perform the words of this covenant. That was their covenant with God. We are going to keep the statutes and commandments and testimonies of this book right there. And that's a great covenant to make. That is a great decision to make is that we're going to do what God's word tells us to do. Amen. We've been preaching on that for weeks. Is everybody still with me? But I want you to notice something. This king began to make some drastic changes in his kingdom in order to make sure that they were going to be able to keep this covenant. Look with me if you would in verse number four. The Bible says, And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priest of the second order, and the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal. Now what in the world were Baal's vessels doing in the house of the Lord? What a mess. He said to bring out all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven. Watch this. What's your Bible say? And he burned them. Is that what your Bible says? He burned them without Jerusalem in the field of Kidron. Look with me if you would in verse number six. And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord 
without Jerusalem unto the brook Kidron. And what's your Bible say? And burned it at the brook Kidron and stamped it small to powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. My goodness, in verse number seven, he brake down the houses of the Sodomites. Can I get a witness? That were by the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings for the grove. Look at what it says in verse number 11. He took away the horses that the kings of Judah had given to the sun at the entering in of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathamelech, the chamberlain, which was in the suburbs. Watch this. And burned the chariots of the sun with fire. Look at verse 15. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place with which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, had made both that altar and the high place. He brake down, what's your Bible say? And burned the high place and stamped it small to powder. And what's your Bible say? And burned the grove. Look at verse 16. And Josiah turned himself. He spied the sepulchers that were there in the mount and sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers, what's your Bible say? And burned them upon the altar. Look at verse number 20. And he slew all the priests of the high places that were there upon the altars, and what's your Bible say? And burned men's bones upon them and returned to Jerusalem. Now I want you to understand, this is pretty, some, just pretty drastic stuff. I mean, this is some pretty, this is some pretty far-fetched, radical action that was taken by this king. See, it is one thing to stand up and say, I'm going to do what God said. It's one thing when the Bible's preached and you're made aware of the commandments and the testimonies and the statutes to say, that's what God said. That's God's word. God's right and I'm wrong and I'm going to do it God's way. That's one thing. But this king didn't stop there. This king allowed his response to the word of God to be so serious and have so much weight in his life that he literally went and burned his bridges to make it impossible to return to an earlier state. Because see, here's the problem. We always have a tendency to make a commitment, make a vow to God, and two days later we forget about it. I want you to notice his response to the word of God caused him to burn his bridges. There was, there was no chance of a secret midnight false worship taking place at some grove, worshiping some altar or some idol to Baal. There was no chance of that happening. You won't know why? Because they burned their bridges. They completely eradicated any chance or possibility of them turning from God and going back to this false religion. Their response to the word of God and the scripture was to burn their bridges to make it impossible to go back. Look at what it says in verse number 24. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, I got this underlined, did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the books. Is that what your Bible says? You see, all this radical, drastic measures that he took was to help him do what he had told the people he was going to do. It was to help him follow the words of the book of the law that he found. Three things I want you to notice under this. It's powerful. Number one, number one, it was prompt. He, did, hey, he made the covenant in verse number three and in verse number four, he started burning bridges. And he didn't stop till he burned every bridge he could find. I mean, he was even digging bridges up out of the ground and burning them. Come on, y'all. 
He, the Bible says he's, he spied the sepulchers of the dead prophets and dug up their bones and burnt them. <laughs> you say, well, that's a little much. Yeah, it's good. It's good. First Corinthians, Paul, second Corinthians, Paul talked about what vengeance, what zeal. Amen. We need some people of God today with some zeal to do some drastic, make some radical changes in their life so they can't go back to the old gods. It was prompt. There wasn't no making a covenant with God, making a commitment, and then going home and having to decide what they were going to do. They went home and immediately started dealing with it. It was prompt. Number two, it was public. It was public. Oh, everybody in the country knew Everybody in the nation knew this is what the man of God said. This is what Josiah said. This is what the word of God said. And this is what we're doing about it. Everybody in the world knew that they were burning their bridges. This wasn't some little secret commitment behind everybody's back, behind closed doors to give them some wiggle room whenever the heat got turned up. It was public. It was prompt. But thirdly, it was pricey. Can you imagine what these vessels of Baal cost? In verse number four, can you imagine? And this is what probably, I, I doubt very seriously they were made out of clay. I doubt very seriously they were carved out of a piece of wood. I'm confident that they were gold or silver or bronze. They were some kind of expensive. He took all of the vessels of Baal and they went out and they burned them. They didn't reappropriate them. They didn't take it and sell it so they could take the money and do something good with it. They eradicated it. They destroyed it. They burned their bridges. We need to burn our bridges when it comes to our response to the scripture. That he might perform the words. He knew what had to be done. If they were going to keep that covenant in verse number three. Stay with me now. We're real good about making covenants with God. We're also real good at backing out of them. You know how to keep from backing out of them? You want to know how to keep from going back? Burn your bridges. There was no chance whatsoever of them going back to Baal worship after this. There was nothing to worship with. There was nowhere to worship with. The chariots, you wonder what the chariots cost. He burned the chariots of the sun. They had dedicated them to the sun. He said, I don't want them. We're not changing the tag on them. We're not changing the registration. We're, we're, we're burning them. We don't want nothing to do with it. He said, it's a little much. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. We got a, we got a group of people today that's got a real high tolerance for Baal worship. Burn your bridges when it comes to your response to Scripture. When you're sitting in church and God speaks to you from the Word of God, go home and do something about it. Right then. This is the only, this is the first Bible message Josiah had ever heard. And if you want to get literal, he was already living for God and serving God. He read this, they read him the law. He took, the, took it away from them and then he stood up. Boy, I love this. He heard one message in his life and then he stole it and then he preached it to everybody. And he said, we're going to do it. We're going to do everything in this book, every statute, every commandment, every, every testimony. We're going to do all of it and we're going to fix it where we don't have a choice. We're going to go burn every bridge we've got back to Baal worship. What a blessing. What an example. 
Turn with me to Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter number 19. I'm going to show you another group of people that literally burned their bridges. In Acts chapter number 19, the apostle Paul is preaching in a place called Ephesus. Boy, God's doing amazing things. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 19 and verse number 17 that this was known, the miracles and the working of God was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Look at verse 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. I do not believe in work salvation. I do not believe that a single person can earn their salvation by their works. We are saved by grace through faith, plus nothing, minus nothing. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We're not saved by our works. But I do believe in a salvation that works. And these people right here believed in verse number 18, and then they proved it. The Bible says they showed their deeds. Look at verse 19. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Number two, we ought to burn our bridges when it comes to removing the sin. Now stay with me. Some of y'all are going to get real tight on me right here. These Ephesians got born again. Am I right? They got born again. They, the Bible says that the name of Jesus Christ was magnified. And the Bible says many of them believed. And the Bible says they confessed their deeds. They proved their salvation by something that is very uncommon today. And that is for somebody when they get born again, they get saved by the grace of God to start dealing with the sin in their life. That's exactly what they did here. They burned their bridges. Now, the Bible's clear that in Ephesus in those days, there was a, 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 a tremendous amount of idolatry. There was the temple of Diana was there. There was some filthy, vile idolatry going on. These people in Ephesus got saved. And the Bible words it this way in verse number 19, many of them which use curious arts or magic. Magic. Sorcerers. Sorcery. Magic. Witches, warlocks, Satanism. Is everybody okay? They got saved. They believed. They got born again in verse number 18. And immediately they began to burn their bridges. Three things I want you to notice about this. Number one, it was prompt. Huh? Stay with me. They got saved. Nowhere in there did they have to go to a conference and hear a five-part series on witchcraft and sorcery and, 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 and curious arts and magic. They didn't have to watch a video on YouTube. They didn't have to go read a book on what's wrong with the eight ball and the tarot cards and the, and the horoscope. They didn't have to read. Uh, uh, they, they, no, they didn't have to. The, the minute they got saved, the minute they got born again, the Holy Spirit of God moved in and immediately began to convict them of things in their life that they needed to get rid of. And it was prompt. I'm, I'm amazed at how long it takes some Baptists to figure some things out. 
They got to read, they got to study, they got to talk about it. They got to they get on some forum and they got to have a debate with 15 people and they're praying, Lord, I pray that you'd deal with me. Hey, listen to me. If you're saved and the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and you are walking in the Spirit, it won't take six months to figure some things out. That's exactly right. It was prompt. Number two, it was public. The Bible says they burned them before all the people. Is that what it says? In verse number 19, they burned them before all men. This was not some secret commitment. This wasn't crawling over here in the corner of the altar and saying, Lord, I appreciate you dealing with me about this or this or this, and I'm going to go home and I'm going to deal with it. No, they stood up in front of everybody and made it public. Everybody in town knew that they were doing it. You know what it's called? It's called accountability. I figured out a lot of people are good at making secret, private commitments in the altar and they don't tell nobody because it gives them wiggle room. A few months later when the conviction leaves, a few days later when the conviction leaves and nobody's around, they can backtrack, they can crawfish out of that commitment and go back to doing whatever they was doing. You know what they did? They burned the bridges. It was prompt. It was public. Number three, it was pricey. Huh? The Bible says they counted the price of them. Found it 50,000 pieces of silver. And my footnote says $6,400,000. No, I don't know. It don't matter. 50,000 pieces of silver, that's a lot of money. We're not, talk, we're, not talking about, we're not talking about a church member going out to their car and getting some, some bad music CDs a couple of CDs and going to their DVD collection and pulling a couple DVDs out. We're talking about shopkeepers and business owners that cleaned out their entire inventory. They cleaned out their whole store. They cleaned out their whole warehouse. I mean, they were taking, they were taking these idols and they were taking these, uh, these books. They were taking all these curious things, this satanic stuff, this witchcraft stuff, and they formed a bonfire. And the Bible tells us how much it was worth. There's a lot of stuff. Some of y'all are getting real nervous right now. And I know what you're thinking. Holy Spirit of God says that right there's wrong. That right there's wrong. That right there's wrong. And your first thing says, well, I paid good money for that. I paid a lot of money for that. Did you pay? Did you pay 50,000 pieces of silver for it? Because they did, and they burned them before all men. There was no chance whatsoever of them when the conviction cooled off, when their salvation experience got old news. There was no chance of them going back to these curious arts. There was nothing to go back to. They burned it. See, they didn't package it up in a box and stick it in the back of their closet for later. They didn't take it off the clothes rack and take it out of the music rack and take it out of the DVD rack and put it in a trash bag and put it in the shed so that if they ever left Calvary and went to another church, they could pull it all back out and do all that again. They didn't do that. Oh, I know I'm preaching. If some of y'all quit squirming, you wouldn't, everybody wouldn't know I was preaching to you. Some of y'all need to go home and burn some bridges. Some of that stuff that you was listening to before you got saved, it all ought to be in your house. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about burn it. Don't bring it out of here and put it on the altar and give it to God. He don't want it. Burn it. I remember growing up, we used to have burnings at church. 
How many of y'all remember having burnings at church? Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. People bring their junk, their filth, burn it in a barrel out behind the church. Get victory over it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. <laughs> I wish, I, I wish y'all could see some of y'all's faces right now. My goodness, what kind of cult am I sitting in? I'm just reading Acts. This is Acts. This happened a long time ago. I, I had nothing to do with that right there. And I don't have any, any idea that it was Paul's idea neither. Does it say in there where Paul told them to go get all their curious arts and burn it? No, they, they, got, they got saved, they believed, they confessed their deeds, and they started cleaning out the house. They burned their bridges. I tell you, to keep from going back to sin, get rid of it. Come on, y'all. Preacher, it's Sunday morning. You're preaching on sin. Sin's the problem. We're where we're at in this country because of sin. We're where we're at in this country because of people of God's tolerance of sin and involvement in sin. We're talking about people that got, that got saved. They got, they, they got saved. They got born again and they got right with God. We got so much wickedness and sin and idolatry going on in our churches today. It's a miracle the Holy Spirit of God will even show up and work. I love what, I love what Brother Philbeck said. I'm going I'm to I'm use this all the time. Brother Philbeck said this. He said, if secret sin was an odor, we'd have to open the windows and doors to be able to handle having church. It stinks so bad in there. That's what he said. And I believe him. Some of y'all need to go home and clean out. Clean your house out. Don't give it a goodwill. They don't need it. Don't sell it on eBay and bring the money and put it in the missions offering. Burn it. Get rid of it. That's how you, that's how you close a deal with God. You burn it. Come on, y'all. Turn to 1 Kings chapter number 19. I got one more. Y'all okay? I've preached this message all over the country. Some of y'all look at me like you ain't never heard this before. 1 Kings chapter number 19. Greatest day in your life is when you have a fire at your house and burn all the mess that's keeping you from... Hey, stop looking over your shoulder. Stop looking over your shoulder. 1 Kings chapter number 19. This is the story here where Elijah is running from Jezebel, how the chapter starts out, and he's under the juniper tree feeling sorry for himself. And God comes and begins to manifest himself to him in verses number 9 and following. And you get down to verse number 19. The Bible says, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. In verse number 20, he left the oxen, ran after Elijah, said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother. Then will I follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? And verse 21 says, he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Number three, burn your bridges when it comes to your readiness for service. Readiness for service. 
What an amazing story. Elisha's out there plowing in the field. I like Elisha already. He's a hardworking man. Right. Right. I believe men ought to be hard workers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I can say that until all of you say amen. Just go ahead and say amen and I'll move on. I said I believe every man ought to be a hardworking man. Yeah. Amen. Girls, don't even, don't even look at a boy that won't hold down a job. Don't even talk to him. Don't give him your phone number. Don't even play volleyball with him after church. If he don't work, you leave him alone. He's a lazy, sorry, good-for-nothing bum. Amen. And any man that won't work, the Bible says he ought not to eat. And any man that won't provide for his own is worse than an infidel. Leave him alone. Just thought I'd throw that out. Amen. He's out there working. And he was doing man work. Amen. He wasn't sitting in some salon painting somebody's nails. He was out plowing with oxen. Come on, y'all. If this was the Mighty Men's Conference, y'all be on your feet to holler. He was working. And Elijah saw him and went over there and threw his mantle on him. That was a ministry opportunity. That was an invitation and an open door to service. And that's exactly what Elisha knew it was. When the man of God walks by and takes his mantle off and throws it on you, he knew exactly what that was. He wasn't putting it on him because he was cold. He knew exactly what it was. And you want to know what Elisha did? He burned his bridges. He built a fire. He built a fire with his plow. Come on, y'all. The Bible says he burnt his plow. He burnt his farm implements. And he built a fire. He killed two oxen and he boiled them. That's how I know there was a fire. He boiled them. And they didn't have microwaves. So he had to build a fire. Huh? I'm telling you what, buddy. He built a fire. He killed two oxen and he boiled those two oxen. Three things I want you to notice about this. Are you ready? Number one, it was prompt. The Bible says in verse number 21, he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them. He didn't have to go home and pray about it. He didn't have to sit down with 47 preachers and say, I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to keep plowing in the field with these oxen and getting rich and helping my daddy get rich and helping my family and having provide provision for my family. Or should I take this mantle that the man of God just threw on me and should I take this open door? No, no, there was none of that. It was immediate. It was prompt. It was prompt. When God opens a door, I say when God opens a door, it's all you need. It was prompt. It was prompt. Number two, it was public. I'm pretty sure that when he killed the oxen, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat, I'm pretty sure they knew what was going down. Man, Elijah, what a, what a barbecue. This is great, man. You, you didn't even send out an email or you didn't even have to put, put it on the calendar or a, or a remember the date card. I mean, you just, you just went and got us and I mean, this was, this was quick. What's going on? What's happening? He says, I'm going into the ministry. I'm pretty sure it was the same day. Huh? It was public. Number three, don't get ahead of me. It was pricey. 
Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure you couldn't just go down to Home Depot or Tractor Supply and buy another plow. Do you realize back then what, he, what you had to do to get a plow? You had to find a carpenter. You had to find a carpenter. You had to go in there and tell them what you wanted and put your order in, and then they had to go find the wood. They had to make the plow. It probably was a six weeks, two months turnaround on a new plow back then. I'm just going out on a limb here. And I imagine it probably cost a pretty penny. And we don't even want to know how much those two oxen cost. I've been to a bunch of cattle sales. Whenever I go see David Young or I go down and see Brother Watson, for some reason or another, I jump in a truck with them. They're like, you want to go to the sale? I'm like, yeah, let's go. I love it. I love going to go to, how many of y'all have never been to a cattle auction? Raise your hand. Oh, my soul, you ain't lived. Y'all need to go up, y'all go up to Pennsylvania, go up there to a cattle auction and just sit up in the chair and just watch. Now, don't scratch your nose or you'll buy something. When that auctioneer, he's up there auctioning, and you go like that right there, you just bought a cow, friend. <laughs> and I've been with him to a bunch of those sales, and they'll bring them in one chute, and they'll, they'll be out there on that big pen, and that, and that pen's got a scale under it, and you can see how much it weighs up on the, up on the, uh, up on the wall. There's a big old digital scale up there. I'd encourage some of you ladies, stay off that thing. Everybody will see how much you weigh if you walk through there, all right? It comes in that chute, it goes in that, and, 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 then, and then they go out the other side, and of course it goes for a different amount because it sells them by the pound. David Young's had a little boy with speech impediment. Back, back, it used to be a lot worse than it is now. But he was sitting there at the sale, and, and, and they brought this bull in. I mean, that thing was so big, it couldn't hardly turn around in that pen. And he was hitting the fence, and, they, and they're over there, and they're, they're popping it with these little whips so that it'll turn around so that whoever's buying it can see. I mean, they can see the front, the back, both sides. And, that, and, and he was sitting there, and that thing was in there. He said, add a bit old bull. <laughs> so what'd you say? Add a bit old bull. That's a big old bull is what he was saying. Whoever bought that bit old bull paid some money. He took those two oxen and slew them and boiled them. What was he doing, y'all? He was burning his bridges. And you never see Elisha in that field plowing ever again. For 20 years, he poured water on the hands of the man of God. For 20 years, he was right there beside him. And he was so close to Elijah that when the day Elijah was taken up into heaven in a whirlwind, it took a chariot of fire and horses of fire to part him and the man of God from that day forward. He never left his side. Why? Because he burned his bridges. There was no temptation to go back to that field. There was no temptation to walk away from the ministry and the service of God and go back to the field plowing. There was no chance of it. He burned his plow. He killed his oxen. He burned his bridges. Can I encourage you, when God opens a door for ministry and service and you walk through it, don't turn around and walk back out. And all y'all know this, I was at Pensacola Christian College studying business administration and computer science. This was back in 92. Computers really was just getting started. I mean... I had a 486. Took 10 minutes to boot up. And it took five minutes to connect to your modem, check your email. Remember that? And it was a 
It sounded like it was having a baby computer. Remember that? That's, but, but, but I knew that computers was going to be the thing. And I thought if I studied business and computers, I can, I can get rich. And I was studying in Pensacola Christian College, business and computer. Came home for the summer, went to Faith Baptist Camp by the Sam Davidson preached on surrender. And God called me to preach. Now, I didn't know much. I didn't know what God was going to do in my life. But I was confident of one thing. I didn't need to go back to Pensacola and study business and computer. And I didn't. I never went back. I never went back. I burned my bridge. And I'm, I'm going to guess if I'd have went to Pensacola in 92 and I'd have got a degree in business and computer science, I'd probably be a millionaire today. That ain't what God wanted. Same thing when God told me to go to Africa. I didn't even finish the house I was on. I burnt the bridge. I did. I sold my truck, sold the car. I turned off my pager. Some of y'all young people don't know what a pager is. <laughs> it looks like a little bitty cell phone about that big. You put it on your belt because you look important with a pager. And when somebody wanted to call you, they would page you, and their number would come up on the screen, and you'd have to go find a pay phone <laughs> and call them. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that pagers? So Walmart one day, the guy in front of him, his pager went off, and my wife said, what's that? I said, he's backing up. You better move. Beep, 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 beep. Young people know what a pager is. And then we got the Motorola bag phones. How many of y'all ever got the, had that Motorola bag phone when it came out? It was about that big, and it had a big old, it was in a plastic, it was in a black bag with Velcro. And it had cord, like a cord on it, like a real phone. And you plug it into your cigarette charger, your cigarette lighter. And you ride down the road looking important, talking on the phone. Now your cell phone bill was about $500 a month, but you looked rich. I finally got that because I got tired of going to the Golden Pantry and using the payphone. I'd get a page from a builder and I'd call him on my phone and he'd say, hey, I, got, I, 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 let, I let all that go. I turned my pager off. I burnt my bridges. And the day I left Lake Oconee, making $100,000 a year, I never got another phone call. Not another phone call from another builder ever again. You won't know why. They couldn't call me. My phone was off. My pager was off. I burnt my bridges. Yeah. I was thinking about burning my bridges in Tigerville, South Carolina, when God called, told me to come to Dundalk. I'll never regret that. I gave my horses to David Young. I don't think you could put a horse over here on 46th Street behind that parsonage. <laughs> that horse would be like, what am I supposed to eat? <laughs> we gave our dog to the backers. Didn't even bring our dog with us. The dog was too big to bring. Preacher, burned my bridges. I sold it all. 
5,000 square foot, 5,000 square foot log cabin on four acres. Sold the, sold the house, sold the farm, sold the, gave the horses away, gave the dog away, and I came to Baltimore. I burnt my bridges. All I'm saying is this, when God, when God opens up a door for ministry and for service, you go through it, burn your bridges. That's how you stay in. Can't go back. Huh? Here's what Jesus said, and this is strong. I'm not saying this, and I don't even think I would say this, but Jesus did. Here's what Jesus said. Whosoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. And in John 6, 66, when all those people turned and they went away and walked no more with him, Jesus looked at the 12 that was left and said, will you also go away? They said, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? That's a good question. I wonder this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed. Some of y'all need to burn some bridges. And you need to do it today. You don't need to go home and talk about it. You don't need to go home and think about it. You don't need to go home and pray about it. You need to burn some bridges today. They turned away from Jesus Christ and went back. Unbelievable. They went back and walked no more with him. They went back. You may be here this morning. The song that was sung right before the message couldn't have been any more appropriate. Couldn't have been a better fit. Restoration. Restoration. I encourage you this morning, burn your bridges. Get back where you need to be with God. Get that fellowship restored. Get that power in your prayer life back. Get back to plowing in his field, serving him, magnifying his name. The Bible says in Acts 19, after they, after they had that bonfire and they burned all those books, the Bible says, and the word of God was magnified. God began to do great things. I wonder what God could do in your life. I wonder what God could do in your family. If you were to go home and start burning some bridges, I mean just clean house, everything, anything, that's, 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 that's a potential trap or a, a, a landmine. Just get rid of it. You might need to delete some apps off your phone. You might need to unsubscribe from some things. You might need to get some stuff cut off, some things shut off. It's keeping you from going all the way with God. 